0: one month to live and this is probably the most difficult of all of the principles that we will talk about during this uh, series today we want to talk about learning humbly learn humbly people who face the end of their lives have remarkable humility they learn to depend on others they have to. They no longer are self-sufficient. Pride goes by the wayside. Their weaknesses actually liberate them in the truth. Paul found that out. Great passage of Scripture in Second Corinthians 12 and verse nine. Again, one of the most difficult passages for Paul. He's writing, he's struggling with an issue in his life, absolutely overcome by it, overwhelmed by it. In fact, ask God three times to remove it, and here's what God says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Have you ever felt powerless in life? Maybe you've got a habit that you just don't seem to be able to, 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 to overcome. Just keeps hanging in there. Seems to sometimes get worse. And we seem and feel powerless to change it. Maybe there's a problem at work, drains your energy, your creativity. You feel powerless to solve it. Maybe there's a schedule overload and you're completely overwhelmed and you're burned out. The emotional batteries are drained. You feel powerless to do anything to control that schedule. Well, there are times in our life when we absolutely feel powerless. I have a visual to work with this morning. Some have, the little guy said, Pastor, there's a motorcycle up on the stage. And I said, no way. Yeah, come here and look. So I went in and they said, look. I said, how did that get there? I don't know. Now that's, that's a heavy motorcycle. I watched uh, some pretty strong guys get that up there today. I didn't realize how heavy those things can be. Pretty impressive though, isn't it? How many of you want to go for a ride after church? Well, you'll have to hang around, see if if that'll work. But motorcycles have a lot of power. But can you imagine? How many of you are familiar with motocross? A little bit different type of motorcycle than a motocross, but nevertheless, my point will be made well. Can you imagine getting on that motorcycle and not using the power that's available? I watched I watched four or five guys push that thing this morning. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. You're not going to go very far if you're just going to push it. If you're in a motocross race and you've got those berms and those jumps and those ruts and, and the mud, you're not going to go very far without some power. Right? That's the way it works. But so often, we operate our relationships our marriages our work our our, our our just every facet of our life we work it on our power without god's power our finances and we think we can make it done we can get it done but god's got horsepower available if we'll just tap into it if we'll just tap into it in life we've got that opportunity to have the power of god doing great things through us and instead of pushing that motorcycle, we can actually crank it up and ride that dude. I'm looking forward to the person riding it out of here. Well, not out of here, but you know, riding it off campus. It'll be awesome. I love to listen to them and they go. You can hear them forever, can't you? Hair blow well, sometimes you have hair blowing in your breeze. I used to have hair blow that would blow us. It's starting to come back, thank God. Difference between a bad good and a bad haircut is two weeks, so you know how it goes. And I'm almost on, I finished that second week. But you know, life is so full of of, of of things that happen to us, and it's a lot like a motocross race and a motocross track. Because there's ups and there's downs and there's grooves and there's ruts and there's mud and there's all kinds of And there's pain that comes. Pain accompanies that and sometimes we get off track and we have crashes in our life. See if this video will help you with that. How about that, kind of like life, isn't it? It really is in so many ways. Sometimes there's failures on the track of life. You crash, and we all experience them. I, I have people come to me and they say, uh, "Pastor, I've got this dream. I want to really reach for that dream and reach for my goals, but what if I fail?" And my answer is, what do you mean if? Some of the greatest things that have ever been accomplished were accomplished by people who failed so many times before they were able to accomplish it. Because failing is not the problem, it's staying down that's the problem. And I think it's really important that today that we understand that there is a power available to us to begin again. There's a great power from God to start over. And when you crash, you can get up. And how you get out of the starting gate is not nearly as important as how you get up after you crash. Because you will crash. That's what life does to us. Because it's just like motocross. Uh, I love the one guy. They both jump over the same hill and the one comes right down on top of him. Woo! (laughs) Notice the other one drove off and the other one just kind of rolled over to the side. Sometimes that's what happens in life. And we're going to look at a guy in the Bible that really shows us what it means to get a second chance. And that guy's name is Simon Peter. We learn three important lessons on how to learn humbly from Peter's life. The first one is, we need to learn from my losses. Learn From my losses. Every motocross racer loses. But motocross champions learn from their losses and put it behind them. Everybody fails in life. Everybody messes up. Simon Peter was one of the greatest original members of Christ's racing team. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. Meaning, you're going to be the rock. But then something happened to Peter. He got cocky. He became overconfident. And that's what happens to us in life. We get a few victories under our belt, boom, and we become cocky about it. We think we can handle it on our own. We think we can do it on our own. (laughs) Peter became proud. and On the night that Jesus gathered the team in the upper room, the night before the big race, Jesus warned them and warned him. That it was going to be the most difficult race of his entire life. The track conditions will be most difficult. And, and it's like nothing you've ever faced before. The jumps are going to be higher. The turns are going to be sharper. And the condition of the track won't be good at all. I like the opening scene in that little video we saw. The guy sitting on the side stuck in the mud. And he couldn't get that thing to go, could he? So What did he do? Ugh, just dropped his head. Because that's what we do in life. We get stuck in the mud and we don't see how we can get out of it. But Jesus was warning them and warning Peter that there's going to be a crash. And of course, Peter jumps up and he says, Hey, not me. Don't you remember, Lord? Man, I'm going to go with you all the way. I'll be over every jump. I'll be in every rut. I'll be there, God. When you need me, Jesus, I'll be there. You don't have to worry about a thing. How many times have we said that? How many times we told God, we'd never forsake Him, we'd never turn our back on Him. Well, that was Peter. I'll be right there when you need me. I love this, because Peter, he crashed all right. <laughs> he crashed big time. And Jesus, right after the crash in Luke 22, Jesus says, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that had spoken to him that before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. You know, that's the picture, folks, of deep regret. Of deep brokenness. Jesus didn't have to say a word to Peter. He just looked at him. Growing up, when your mother would just look at you, it would crush you, wouldn't it? When you knew that you had done wrong. Can you imagine Jesus just looking at Peter? Put yourself in his shoes. He looked with compassion. And he looked right into Peter's heart. He saw regret, guilt, and shame. And I want to say to you that some of you are right there today. Right in that spot today. You're right in the middle of a crash. Maybe it's a crash in the marriage, in your family, your business, emotional. You're right in the middle of a crash. Jesus doesn't have to say a word to you. He's staring right at you. But He does say something to you. He says to you today, because of the power of the cross, failure is never Failure is never fatal God is the God of the second chance And He wants you and me to have the power To begin again But to begin again I have to learn humbly from my losses And to learn from my losses I have to take on something And I have to give up something What I have to take on is responsibility for my failures. In Proverbs 28:13 it says a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful, but he if he confesses and forsakes them he gets another chance. <coughs> when I admit that I mess up, I get another chance. When I take responsibility for my failures and don't blame other people, God forgives, I get another chance. The motocross champion never blames his bike. He never blames the condition of the track. He never blames the other riders. First and foremost, he looks into the mirror and he learns from his losses. He takes responsibility for any loss that he may incur. And if I'm going to learn from my losses, I have to look in the mirror and I have to take responsibility for my failures. But we live in a society that doesn't do that. We live in a society that blames everybody else. Everybody. Your wife, your children, marriage, work, bosses. You fill in the blank. It's everybody else's fault. Can't be my fault. It can't be my fault. (laughs) My failures I have to learn are my failures. Peter was proud. He had been arguing with the other disciples over who was the greatest to be among them. But after his crash, he took all of his pride away. He felt like God could never use him again. But just the opposite was true. God could now finally use him. God can't use me when I'm proud because then He doesn't get the credit for all the great things... That he wants to do in my life, we'll take the credit. I love it when professional people who are in the limelight give all praise and glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I love it when they do it. I hope they're sincere. I can't worry about that; that's God's business. But I can rejoice with them when they say that, because they don't have to. Sam Bradford. Oh, my goodness. If you're an OU fan, you're going, he told you, he told you, he told you, greatest player in the NFL. He's one injury away from being the nobody. But right now, he is the number one draft pick in the NFL draft. You know how much money he's going to make? He's going to make boatloads of money. And guess what? He's going to join our church, he told me. I said, tithe, brother, tithe. Amen. Don't you know his home church preacher's going, hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. No. He's going to make all kinds of money. All kinds of money. But the thing I like about Sam Bradford, and I believe it's sincere in his heart, is he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. With all of his heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Now we'll see a fame and glory. Well, taint that, and I hope it doesn't. I pray it doesn't. He and Colt McCoy did a commercial about I'm second. And who's first is God. Who's first is Jesus. Do a YouTube search, man. I'll tell you, you'll be blessed to, to, to listen to their testimony. But you see, I'm in the middle of a crash. And crashes cause pain. But when I'm in pain, I'm also in the place of a new beginning. And a lot of you are right there today. He can fill us with His strength. He's taken out all my ego and all my selfishness and all my pride. And He can really use me. It's a place of new beginnings is when I'm at that crash point. But I have to take responsibility for my failures. The second thing, I've got to take something and I've got to give something. And here's what I've got to give. I've got to let go of my guilt. After a rider falls, and that was something that was interesting in the video, you saw every guy get up and get his bike and get back on and keep going, right? Because you don't stay there. A couple of spots would be dangerous to stay there, but you don't stay there. You get up and you get back on the bike and you keep going. Motorcycles happen. That happens. People crash on these things. But they'll get back up and they'll ride it again. And that's what we've got to learn in life, is when we make a mistake... We need to let go of the guilt because it's in the past. God is the God of the second chance. After Jesus rose from the dead, the angel was at the tomb. He looked, and you need to look at what the angel was saying at the tomb. In Mark 16, 7, he says, but go tell his disciples. What's the next phrase? And Peter. And Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him just as as He told you. So the angel said, He's alive. He's not here. Remember, Peter is still included. He's one of the disciples. Don't forget Peter. You see, Jesus knew that Peter was totally broken. Totally devastated. Totally blown away. Thought his life was over. Thought he was out of the race. Christ didn't need him anymore. But Jesus is saying, Peter, I still have a race for you to run. Peter, I know how you're feeling. But I want you to know that you're still included. I still have a plan for your life. And I'm going to give you the power to begin again. The the power to become a great champion for me. Today God says that about you and me. He's ready to give us the power to begin again. He's ready to give us that great lift so we can become a champion in life. But I've got to let go of my guilt. And that's my responsibility. God forgives me through the power of the cross, and then I have to let go of my guilt because guilt blinds me to God's vision for my future. If you'll notice, the writers in the motocross video had helmets with visors. And the visor is to protect your eyes. And the visor is, is, is there so you can see. See clearly what's going on. And what I, what I loved about that particular video is how muddy these guys get. And gals get. Because there are ladies that ride those crazy things too. But if you'll notice, those goggles, they would get muddy. You can only imagine, Right? One of the one of the things that motocross riders do with their with their mask, with their goggles, their 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 lens here, is they'll put a thin piece of plastic covering over it so when it gets muddy, they can peel it off and throw it away. So that they can see again. It's muddy, peel it off, throw it away, they can see again. And what's important for us to understand is that this is it's the same principle that works in our lives. When we make a mistake, when we really blow it, when we believe that it's all done, God wants us to peel away the guilt and to throw it away. Because Satan is the only one who wants you to see the guilt. He's the only one who wants you to see it. The past is over. Start looking at the future. Start looking at the way it's going to be brighter. The future is bright. Because of the promises of God. But you've got to let go of the guilt. You've got to tear it off, throw it away, and move and live and stay in God's unconditional love. came across a story by a guy named Joshua Harris called The Room. Listen to this. He said, I dreamed I found myself in The Room. There was no distinguishing features except for one wall covered with small index card files. And without being told, I knew exactly where I was. The lifeless room with these small files was a crude catalog system for my whole life. Here was written the actions of my every moment, big and small, in a detail my memory couldn't match. The titles ranged from the mundane to the outright weird. Books I have read, lies I have told, comfort I have given... Jokes I've laughed at, a lot of things I wasn't proud of. Like things I've done in my anger, people I've judged, things I've muttered under my breath. And when I came to a file marked Lustful Thoughts, I felt a chill run through my body. I drew out a card and I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt sick that such a moment had been recorded. One thought dominated my mind no one must ever see these cards, no one must ever see this room. I have to destroy them. I have, I became desperate and I pulled out a card to destroy it only to find that it was strong as steel when I tried to tear it. Defeated and utterly hopeless, I returned to the file. I returned the file to its slot and then the tears came. I fell on my knees and I cried. I cried out of shame from the overwhelming shame of it all. But then as I pushed away the tears, I saw him. There was Jesus reading each card. I couldn't bear to watch his response, and in the moments I could bring myself to look at his face, I saw a sorrow deeper than my own. Starting at the end of the room, he took out a file, and one one by one he began to sign his name over mine on each card. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written in His blood. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly, but the next instant, it seemed I heard him Uh, Closed the last file and walked to my side. He placed his hand on my shoulder and he said, It is finished. I stood up and he led me out of the room. There was no lock on its door. There were still blank cards to be written on. There are still blank cards to be written on in your life. Your future is as bright as the promises of God, all because of the power of the cross. He took away all our sins and mistakes and failures. And when I own up to my sins and mistakes and failures, then He just signs His name across my name. He takes my place and He writes His name in blood and completely forgives me. He says, I want you to look to your future. The past is past. It's time to look to the future, and your future is as bright as my promises. So the first thing I need to do is learn to do to learn humbly is to learn from my losses. And then the second thing I need to do is to surrender to God's strength. I have to rev up the engine of God's power. To learn humbly, I need God's power. Can't do it on my own. Luke 9.23 says, Then He said to them, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Today, all the self-help books tell you that if you want to find purpose in life, you need to look within yourself to find purpose and the reason why you're here. They tell you that... uh, that you need to satisfy yourself. Follow your own desires. Meet your own needs. And I'm telling you, there's no way you're going to find your purpose. There's no way you're going to find your way looking in here. I've got to look to God. I've got to look to the cross. Because He alone created me. He alone knows my future. He alone knows what purpose He created me for. He alone can can provide forgiveness and eternity in my life through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. What does it mean in this verse to take up our cross daily? Well, I think it means death. You might say, well, I'm supposed to die every day? Yes. You're supposed to die to yourself. We're supposed to die to ourselves so that He is raised up. So He is exalted. And God finally will say to us when we do that, man, I finally got you where I need you. I finally got you where I need you. Whenever we struggle in life, we've got to come to a point where we give it up. And we turn it over to God. We keep trying to steer our life. (laughs) We keep trying to get on the bike and ride. And Jesus wants to take the handlebars and guide us. But we've got to let Him. We've got to let Him. He knows what's best. He knows the plans that He created us for. Get your ego out of the way. Get the selfishness out of the way. Start to dream those dreams again and dream those dreams with God at the center of that dream. Take time every day to give God His time. Focus on God, not on you. Spend your time the way God wants you to. Nail that time to the cross. Recognize that interruptions in your day come from God. One of the great things about being a pastor of a smaller church is that I have access to you. And better yet, you have access to me. And I love that. You can call me. We can go visit. You don't have to go through layers of bureaucracy to get to me. You can drop by here. And I love it because people will come out and say, are you busy? (laughs) I'd love to say, well, sure. No, i just sit up here waiting for somebody to come. But you know what I've discovered is that God brings you by at the right time for you. But He also brings you by at the right time for me. Because you know what? Whatever it is that we talk about, I get helped as well. And I receive a blessing as well. Because you know all the stuff on the agenda, it will get done eventually. It does. It gets done. But that moment, that moment, we need to spend time together. And so when you need me, you call me. And I will do my very best to be there for you. But that's one of the blessings of our smaller church is that we can have access one to another. The thing I love about God is that I don't care how big or small He always has time for me. And He always has time for you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, He always has time for you. It was God's dream in your life. It should be God's dream in Peter's life. And God had big dreams. I mean, Peter did too. He had big dreams. But those got changed and they got back on track with God and i'm telling you it's the best thing so learn from your losses surrender to god's strength and then the third thing is pursue god's path pursue god's path and it's really a trust issue i will never under, i'll never surrender to god's strength and pursue his path unless i trust that he knows what's best for me and the only way i'm going to know that is by developing a relationship with him you don't trust strangers We tell our kids and teach our kids and drill it into our kids, do not trust a stranger. Why do you do that? Because they don't need to trust a stranger. Because strangers may not be there for their good intentions. Well, strangers that come into your life may not be there for good intentions either. (coughs) Because it truly comes down to a trust issue. And I'll never trust him until I have a relationship with him. Now, how do I know that God loved Peter? Well, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was the one who stood up in the crowd and began to preach on that day. 3,000 people trusted Christ and were baptized. And he was on the road to becoming a great champion for Christ, following Christ's road no matter where it led, because he knew that God ultimately had the best in mind for him. God had the plan that He should follow. And when you pursue God's path, you get to go full throttle. You ever seen somebody riding a... I mean, those motocross guys, they're going full throttle. There's nobody dinky-dinking around out there. They're on full throttle. You see them go over those hills and jumps. Wow! That's amazing. Psalm 119.32 says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. You can run full throttle and never look back. You don't have to pull down at all. The Christian life is the most exciting and exhilarating and frightening and scary and fulfilling and rewarding life that there is. But it's a full throttle life. God has it waiting for you. That great plan that He has. He's waiting for you to get out of the way so He can do something great in you. As I've looked in Scriptures, I've noticed that Almost every person in the Bible who learned humbly went through three things. Number one, they went through the call. I have a call on my life. You have a call on your life. I have a call to live a great life. I have a call to be a great husband. I have a call to be a great dad. I have a call to be a great pastor. God's called you to greatness. In whatever area He's called you to, you know your heart. He knows your heart. You're called to greatness. And I really don't think there are any great people in the world. There are only ordinary people committed to great causes. But God has called you to a great cause. But the problem with all that is what comes next. You got the call, then you got the wall. <laughs> you hit a wall. I hit the wall every day. I come into to, to church to work. I hit the wall every time I get up and I'm supposed to be a great husband. I don't feel like loving people today, God. Well, You're called to be a great dad, but I hit this wall because I, I feel like being selfish. It's about me. You get up and, and I hit this wall because I want to be a great pastor, but I, I'm just out of energy, I'm just wore out. God, I know You've called me to greatness, but I just can't do it. I feel powerless. I hit that wall. And then comes the third step. I hit, have the call. I hit the wall. <laughs> and then I take the fall. Oh, I thought the wall was the bad part. No, no. No, the fall comes next. But the good news about the fall is there's an option. You can either fall on your face or fall on your knees. First comes the call to greatness. You hit the wall and realize that we can't be great without His power and then we fall. And you either fall on your face or you fall on your knees. Sometimes I fall on my face and then I get up on my knees and I trust Him. And when I get on my knees, He fills me with His strength, His power, so that I can do great things in my life. Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. We just read that earlier, didn't we? And if you stand proud, you're going to fall on your face. But when you get on your knees and trust Him for His power, He'll raise you up for greatness. I've got a song I want you to listen to. As you listen to this song, if you feel like going to your knees to call out to God, it's a good time to do it. But I think you can go to your knees by just sitting there. So let's listen to the words of this song and we're almost done. help us close with a song of invitation would you pray with me Father we might be just like Peter we heard the call to follow follow me some time ago in our life but just like Peter we hit the wall with our pride and our self-sufficiency Peter fell on his face and cried out and wept. And Jesus, you restored with grace, lifting him to his knees where he could find the real power. So, God, would you today and each of us help us get to our knees? There's things in our life that we need to turn loose of. You have an amazing plan for us. You're calling us to do it. If we had only 30 days to live, would we do it, Lord? Would we do it? And my prayer this morning is that we will just do it. We'll finally release the guilt that we've carried. We'll finally lift the burden from our shoulders that You are ready to take. For some, it may be the very first time that they come to find You as their Savior. We're sure ready to study with them and help them understand what that means. Whatever decision they need. Maybe they want to join the church and make this their church home been an immersed believer in Christ and been living for you and just need a church home, they can call home. Whatever it is, God, whatever it is, we ask you to get them on their knees and let them turn it over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this great song of invitation. It's a powerful song.